Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode 36. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Friday, Steelers Nation, as the Pittsburgh Steelers get ready to enjoy their bye week team practiced earlier this week, off Thursday, off Friday. We'll return Monday for practice and kind of get back into the routine as they prepare for Week 7 against the LA Rams. Dave, how you doing? Happy Friday. I've been looking at bye. I think the Steelers can handle them. <laughs> Slow start. Maybe the <laughs> offense will struggle against the bye in the first quarter, but yeah. some fourth quarter heroics will be necessary. I have uh, Steelers minus one uh, <laughs> uh, versus bye, but I think they can take them here. But uh, yeah, uh, interesting week uh, here. A little bit busier at the front end. Probably not going to be as busy on the back end for uh, for obvious reasons, but I think we have enough to talk about today to keep the folks entertained. So let's talk about it and dive right on in. Do you want to start with speculated future coaches or actual Steelers coaches, Dave? Dealer's choice. Where do you want to begin here today? Let's get all the speculation out okay. of the way. All right. We can handle that probably pretty quickly. Uh, you guys might have seen. We have not written about it a lot on the site until today. But obviously, Matt Canada, while it appears he's going to be the OC for the rest of the season, very, very unlikely to be the OC in 2024. And so that's leading people to speculate and talk about who could be the next offensive coordinator of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And a couple times, I think last week and earlier this week, Jerry Dulac has speculated, I don't believe this is sourced in any way, shape or form, but speculated that John Gruden could be the next OC of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, given the Tomlin ties from their time in, in Tampa Bay together and, and the friendship that uh, existed for, I'm not sure if it still exists, but it had existed for, for some length of time. Uh, and then what is most notable about that today is that Warren Sapp was on Jason Whitlock's show and he knows John Gruden well uh, from their time, obviously, in Tampa and with the Raiders and shot down any chance of John Gruden uh, wanting or becoming the Steelers OC next year. So bottom line is we basically have uh, you know, through Warren Sapp, John Gruden on the record of not becoming the Steelers' next OC. Yeah, and uh, Sapp pointed out that he also talked to Tomlin as well, too, uh, okay. and that Tomlin was headed to uh, to watch uh, uh, his son that plays at the Ivy League school uh, play, I think, this weekend as well, too. So uh, he, I, it sounds like he got either a call or a text back from Tomlin, and in, in so many words, says, I don't know where to get this stuff uh, uh, from and all like that. And and once again, we, we know how all this stuff uh uh, it, it, it's all speculation that almost turn that that turns into reports. Right, the speculating. The speculating, yeah. It sounds like something you do on Star Trek. <laughs> I want you yeah. to speculate me, me uh, spec speculate me up there. But uh, look, there's going. I mean, well, I think we're both, uh, and most people are have, have come to to probably a speculation <laughs> uh, that. Uh, uh, Matt Canada's not long for his position and that at some point we will be speculating who the next offensive coordinator will be, but it certainly does not sound like it's going to be John Gruden at this point. And 
Right. And even before the SAP comments, I never paid much mind to it. It's why we didn't write about it, because a, it was just pure idle speculation, people trying to put two and two together, which is fine. We we do that often in the offseason, but it never made sense from the standpoint, given all the baggage of how things ended with Gruden, with the Raiders and the emails that got leaked and the language he used, all that kind of stuff. He's not going to become the OC. Anyone who thought that that had a chance of happening. Guy has not been an OC since the late 90s. I mean, that's the last time he's an actual you know, true only offensive coordinator without a head coaching hat on. So to me, it never made any sense. Tomlin, even if there's a friendship there, was never going to you know, bring that guy in with all the, the media attention, all the questions, all the controversy that, that that it would drum up. Never was an option for the Steelers. Yeah, I, I find it hard to see anything. I have learned over the years to say never say never, but and I understand the 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 dot connecting with 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 Gruden and Tomlin, you know, with their time in Tampa and all like that. But it's even all that, and based on what's happened with Gruden over the years, uh, I, I would be quite surprised. Me as well. Now, who the next OC will be, we can speculate about that. And I mean, have you given? None. Any thought? No. Okay. Fair. None. I mean, I you know, outside of you know, just more more so wondering what that offensive, you know, I personally think it needs to be an experienced offensive coordinator, uh okay. uh, as opposed to an up and comer. You know what I'm saying? Uh, from, 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 in other words, I wouldn't rip somebody from the college ranks who hasn't worked in the NFL. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, and I don't, I don't think that the steer. When's the last time the Steelers have done e- even anything remotely close to to that? Uh, of a coordinator? Uh, yeah, directly to. Now, obviously, you bring in Canada from the college ranks initially as a quarterbacks coach, right? For one year, right? You know. Uh, but uh, other than bringing them up through the organization that way, when is the last time that they've gone out and actually, you know, installed a coordinator right out of the college ranks? It's a very good question. Uh, I don't have an answer for you offhand right now. I don't know. It may be, maybe one of those never happened or been so long that it'll be lost to history kind of things. I mean, you think about, you know, Arians and Haley and, and Feetner, uh, Wisenhunt, Defensively, you think about LeBeau, Keith Butler, Austin, Tim Lewis. None of those guys were college hires. I, I in other words, I and look, uh, I, you know, the obvious thing to point to is Mike Sullivan would be next in line. But I, I think at this point, I view Mike Sullivan just as a career quarterbacks coach. To me, I mean, he's been an OC, sure. but I don't think he's going to be the the replacement. I think they are going to go out of house for the next OC hire, and I think they should. And I'm, uh, it, you know, dollar, I bet dollars to donuts, it would be a a recycle of you know uh, someone that's already been an offensive coordinator. Now, could that be a Leftwich? You know that there's there's more uh, sp- uh, quote unquote, I guess, reports that have been out there that we haven't really addressed because really it's only been kind of one report, I think. Right. Which was then we believe disputed by his agency, although we're a bit unsure about all the right. particulars, but there was uh, an immediate denial of that report. Right. But I mean, that would make a lot more sense. Leftwich would make a lot more sense than Gruden. Yes. A hundred percent. What about, and I, and I agree they probably do out of house, but what about Glenn Thomas, the offensive assistant? He's one year like Canada, you know, he's in the system. But he's not like fully in the system where he's been a career stealer like a uh, Randy Feetner. Would that be an option as OC? 
I could view him potentially moving up the next step step of the ladder, you know, maybe as a quarterback coach or something like that. Uh, I don't know enough about him to, 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 to think that he would make a great coordinator at this point. Same. I don't know much about his background in terms. I mean, he's been a coordinator before in, I think the college ranks, never in the NFL, but I just want to at least acknowledge that as an option or as a possibility or somebody that may be interviewed. Cause I imagine they're going to interview, you know, internal guys, maybe Sullivan and Thomas along with external guys and, and go from there. Okay. Uh, I haven't given it much thought of, I, all I know is I, or all I know is that I hope that it would be an outside hire and somebody with experience and maybe on, you know, what about Jim called, you know, Jim Caldwell has been linked, but he's a lot older now. Is that do you, do you need that kind of guy to come in and has the game passed him by? Yo, he is older, <laughs> you know, could, could, could that be an option? Obviously he's been linked to Mike, you know, him and Mike Tomlin are mm-hmm. friends. And I think go over the years, we've named him as a potential candidate in the past. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an option. We can throw out probably a dozen names of possibilities. Uh, he's in Carolina right now as an assistant. I, I will throw out one name that, again, we've mentioned before that they, they've actually interviewed before, but Pep Hamilton, he's with the NFL network. Last I checked and a guy Pittsburgh looked at before they hired Canada in 2021 and somebody that's still an option. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that's your experienced OC right there. It's kind of probably what you're looking for. Okay. So anyway, I don't want to, spend too much time on it, but it's a Friday and, and that now is officially on the record about John Gruden. And so that's not going to happen. I mean, I'll, I'll, yeah, I rarely kind of say in those absolute terms, but, but this one is not going to happen. All right. I agree. All right. Let's hear from the coaches who actually are employed by the Pittsburgh Steelers, including one Matt Canada, who spoke to the media uh, earlier this week, uh, since our last show, not sure if he really had, had anything incredibly notable to say. There are some people looking at his comments about how the players have to play better and accusing Canada of really deflecting blame and putting it all on the players. Do you have any sort of thoughts on that quote from Tomlin or from uh, Canada? Excuse me. I, I tell you what, what really kind of, kind of got per- perked my ears up a little bit was him talking about the frustration. Let me see if I can pull up that exact, uh, a uh, quote here from Matt Canada on, uh, I just closed out my browser. Damn it. I think I have it. He me to read it off to you. Yeah. Dave? Sure. It says, quote, I feel really good with where we are. Our players are certainly frustrated and disappointed with our production, but I don't think there's a lack of belief in them and in each other and where they think that they can go and understand that they got to be better. And we're sitting where we are sitting. We'd like to be better, but there's a lot of football left. And I feel like there's a good vibe from the guys about going out to play the rest of the season and certainly do what they expected to do coming into the season, end quote. Uh, and but what he never what I was hoping would have happened is uh, is a follow up question is, what does that frustration look like? Or you know, something along those lines there. Uh, he, he says that the players are certainly frustrated, but uh, he goes on to say there's a good vibe. <laughs> <laughs> from the guys about getting uh, to go out and play the rest of the season and all like that. Uh, He's identifying that there's frustration there. As there should be. If if they weren't frustrated, that probably would be a bigger issue, but, but that's notable. Like you said. Uh, So, you know, the, 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 is a frustration is that at, at this point, you know, they're, they're, they're concerned that things might 
you know, that things are the way they are and they might not get turned around and like they're doing everything they can through the first five weeks of the season and it's still not clicking. So I, I would imagine the players are frustrated. Uh, yeah. But who are uh, they frustrated at themselves? Canada, something else. That That's the question. I think it's everything. Yeah. You know, and I, I think Canada uh, is within that, you know, I mean, and then how can you not, even if you turn off the, you would literally have to unplug yourself from all TVs, uh, print media, the internet and all to not constantly see the rankings, quote unquote, uh, of this team and what this rankings of this offense has been for the last three seasons. And that alone, like it or not, uh, is going to have you question your own system and schematics that you're in, right? Sure, and that's probably where part of the frustration comes from. I know some of these guys have not been here for the last three years, but even the guys that were here last year that felt this team get in the right direction after the bye, and then you're kind of back at square one going into the bye this year. You're not building upon that. So that's frustrating because you feel like there's some talent and, and that they're capable of doing some of these things and yet it's the same story each year of consistent struggles and the same problems of you know not converting in the red zone and slow starts and having to play from behind and play hero ball. That's a really frustrating aspect of just how things have looked, not just the results. Assuming or not, uh, not assuming, uh, speculating if the offense were to improve well, hey, it feels like there's nowhere where to go. But, hey, uh, careful. Uh, hey, don't uh, challenge him. Uh, 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 right now. What does better even, what level of better can this team even get to from what it feels like right now? Well, what they want to do, and this is very obvious, bare bones, but it is the name of the game. And I'm going to sound like Canada here, but put points on the board. They have to score more points. Their offense is averaging. They have 63 offensive points in five games. That is 12.6 offensive points per game when you discount the two defensive touchdowns and the safety. I mean, that is just, that's not going to win in the NFL. I don't think, look, uh, some people might take issue with it and say, yeah, but they, yeah, yeah, but they keep winning, you know, uh, I just I don't see how it's sustainable to keep doing what they're doing. And it's sort of the things we talk about in recent shows here, which is uh, get help from the other team, uh, get a few explosive, pl- triple explosive plays for touchdowns and then rely on the defense to take away the, you know, to, to, to make big splash plays there. I just don't see how that's sust- maybe it's sustainable enough to get you to another nine and eight. Right. Uh, especially against some of this competition, it mm-hmm. just does uh, the way the offense is playing specifically. It doesn't feel like it's sustainable to be anything more than a nine and eight record. The question is, though, because all you have to do is it, focus less on the records. But how do you win the North? What is the path to win the AFC North? And well, you got to continue doing what you got to continue doing what you're doing. That's beat a, a, other AFC right. North teams, which they've done yeah. to their They're credit, to their credit. They have done that before the even the season even started. Uh, and it's, it's, it's not this huge revelation. I, I, you know, I thought they got to at least be four and two in the division. It's and they not, are halfway there to the right, wins. Right. And it's not unthinkable at this point to think that they can't win at least two more games. Sure. It's entirely, all they have to do is go 
what is it, two and two and two mm-hmm. the rest of the way in the division, which is certainly possible. And, and Cleveland, or what's happening with Cleveland right now? I mean, they, they yeah. seem, to, you know, they they don't seem to, you know, defensively they they look good, but uh, uh, I mean, you got questions about Deshaun Watson. They lost Chubb. They're not, you know, they. In in injuries and and not having a running back and not having that running game has severely impacted them, you know. And then the whole Deshaun Watson thing about it, you know, he seems healthy, but he's not playing, and he's out this week, and the whole future I, of of their of their plan. I'm going to go out on a limb and say they lose to the 49ers uh, uh, this <laughs> week. Uh, it's it's it, it that's a pretty pretty stiff limb there. But I mean, yeah, look, uh, uh, carrying it back. I mean, <laughs> could they? Could they? Somehow, is it sustainable enough with and and combined with what they've done right now to this point in division? Is it plausible that they go ten and seven and win win the North? It is, and it, it's hard to answer that though because I agree this does not feel sustainable, and yet here we are, and it, here we can see the path. Right, and if they go. When was the last team to go four and two in the division and not win the North or at least be in the playoffs or right there until the very, very end? I imagine every team in that situation has, has gotten to that point and they I, can clearly get to that point this year. There there hasn't been. Now, obviously, we're working now with a 17 game season, but even going back before that, it, I don't think you'd find too many instances of an AFC North team specifically not making the play, at least making the playoffs with a four and two divisional record. Right. So it, they're a hard team to figure out. And again, I'm going to write about this for Monday. Dave, I'm still working on all the data collection, but the Steelers are just insanely good in one score games. Nobody wins ugly. Nobody wins close like the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, since 2007, they have the most one score wins in football. Since I believe 2020, they have like a 70% win percentage in one score games, which is insane. It's this ridiculously high number. They just find a way to win it late, and that is how they've won routinely, especially the last couple seasons. Right. Now, look, do, do I think some of their defensive woes can be cleaned up a little bit at this point uh, to make that unit better? Yeah, I think that can happen. Especially, man, if you get Cam Hayward back and you keep these edge rushers healthy and uh, you clean up some tackle, I, I think the defense can can do enough to potentially keep the scores down in some of these games. Sure, and hopefully offensively, I think getting Deontay Johnson back is going to be huge for this offense to give them a boost. You know, how good is that boost? How going to huge? Be? We'll see. Are you asking sincerely? Yeah, I mean, I, look, I mean, I, w- without it, I'd rather have Deontay than not sure. have him. But they still got to use him correctly. You know, if you go they back, to, if you go back to last season, you ask him to run, run, run a bunch of curls and comebacks, and not put him in an, in an opportunity to make 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 the yards after the catch, then. How much is that going to improve the offense? Well, I, I take it from the standpoint of you're going to get your be- best route runner. It's going to take the pressure off of George Pickens. It may allow you to do some more, not gadgety, but you know, different things with Calvin Austin, which probably you were planning on doing before the season began. So it, it's not going to pr- make this a, a juggernaut offense, obviously. But it's you know, you're, you're getting your best receiver, or your most complete receiver back. I mean, that that has to be an impact in a positive way. It won't hurt. That's for sure. Okay. It will not hurt. Uh all right, now look, I, I I didn't want this to. I, I told people on Twitter we weren't going to turn this into a ninety-minute <laughs> crap on the offense, but 
we've gone even a little bit deeper into the all 20. The, the good and the bad thing is that we have two weeks to look at this Ravens tape and all like that. And, and the run game specifically, and, and it's crap. I mean, we already knew that, but it's, mm-hmm. it's crap. I mean, schematically, schematically, they're not being set up to, to, to win, let alone the execution of it. How do you fix it? That's a big question I'm asking off the top here, Dave, but I think we've identified the problem. Where do well, we go from here? Hey, hey you got to start blocking. You got to, you can't run runs and with unaccounted backside defenders. Yeah. What did you think about that play? That looked like a read option. Should Pickett have pulled that one? Is that by design? Is there a possibility that he could could do that? Probably, but I mean, you got a guy with a, are you you really going to put in some read option stuff uh, for for Pickett with that knee? And look, we, I mean, that knee looked, you know, uh, if I didn't know that he had had that knee injury going into that game, would I have looked at the tape and said, there's something wrong with that knee? Probably not. Right. But we can assume he probably fought through it. Right. Uh, I mean, once again, do you do you really want to put put the quarterback in that situation? Fair. And what you're referencing here is a, a run from Najee Harris against Baltimore where the backside defender, I think it was a defensive lineman, was unblocked and just crashed down and made the tackle on Harris for you know a run stuff. And we're trying to figure out what the design of that play even is. And look, it's happened more than just the, this Ravens game, too. If you go back through the tape, there, there's been several times when they've let, you know, un- unblocked backside guys easily make a tackle. And then in, in other instances, too, you're you're having linebacker. It's like, you know, and look, Patrick Queen's one, one of the better inside linebackers in the league. But even he looked like he recognized and knew some of the stuff was coming and just, you know, kind of a slight scrape, you know. Uh, in, in, into a hole for an easy tackle. And they weren't blocked half the time. Right. You got Smith and Queen running free. Of course, they're going to make plays. Any any unblocked linebacker is going to make plays when they're when they're free like that, especially those talented guys. I mean, they're pre- predominantly running inside zone to this point with some, I don't think they ran any du- duo, did they, against the Ravens? I'd have to check. There probably was some man blocking. They didn't really pull, but they ran. Some just classic double team deuce I blocks, mean, but but for the most part, it was inside zone and outside zone. Yeah, which they're very bad at. They are a right. ba- they got to stop running. I know that we have the whole debate inside zone and duo is kind of the same, but I, I think there's differences there. They are not a good zone track team. They cannot they cannot overtake. They can't get to the second level. They don't communicate well. They don't adjust on the fly. They are a bad zone running team. Uh, here's what I have them down as far as their runs against the Ravens. They ran the toss five times for 22 yards inside zone five for 20 yards outside zone seven for 20 stretch. They ran four for six yards, jet sweep one for 10 yards end around one for 16 and that backwards pass to Jalen Warren out to the uh, left side for, 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 for negative one yard, which is technically considered a run because the ball went backwards uh, there. Uh, that that's it that, outside of the kneel downs. And, and of course, many of those yards were hard earned by Jalen Warren creating as opposed to it being blocked up. Well, uh, and, and, Outside of the one, you know, the, the the things that were run only once, the toss was their most effective play. <laughs> but did they, besides the 
end around the pickens which was it was the windback run which was well blocked did they block up well one run in this entire game across the line no i don't think right. so because e even on one of these tosses it felt like broderick could have stayed on the block longer Okay, like they got some yards and they kind of, you know, Harris fell forward a little bit and Warren certainly ran tough in this game. But I don't know if I could pick one run play from that entire game and say across the board, this was blocked up. Well, I don't right. think that happened once. And I know Baltimore's tough. And my expectations get low for this game, but it's a recurring problem throughout the season. Uh, look, if you want, especially want to talk about second level type stuff, you know, mm hmm. Uh, uh, not at all. Uh, here's what I put out on Twitter. Got a lot of pushback on it. People hear jet sweep and they just automatically think, Oh God, not, not, a, they've only run two jet sweeps this year, Alex. And, and they ran them a bunch last year. Right. They ran them 30, 30 something times. I think, uh, 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 33 times or something, uh, last year. And it wasn't all the, 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 the per average result. wasn't awful. You know, it wasn't great, but it wasn't awful. Uh, look, I'm not suggesting that this team runs five jet sweeps a game, but I, mm. I I think they need to mix in two or three of those a game. I would keep trying to work on this toss a little bit, you know, uh, three, four, five times a game. I this end around, I I, I would mix in maybe another one of those uh, in here, and then more, more importantly, and we talked about this since the start, you got to get these guards on the move. I agree. I think they got to use their gap scheme more. I, I will say, with where, the lack where did of, the pin and pull go? Yeah, that's true. Although, is there is there too much too many layers to that scheme that this team might not be able to to handle? But I think you got to work angles and try to do something to create some built in leverage. I do think maybe the reduction of jet sweeps is because Calvin Austin is kind of in that fuller receiver role. He's probably less available to do some of that jet stuff. I mean, he's out there, but if he's running a bunch of routes, it's probably a little more tired. Started to get that guy fresh. He's focused on actually running routes. And so I wonder if it, the return of Johnson could actually maybe open up a couple more jet runs. They actually ran pony in this game at least twice. And didn't Warren get a jet sweep off of that pony uh, grouping? And then Warren is that wingback motion. Yeah, Warren was the jet sweep in this game. Okay. Calvin didn't have one in this game? No. Okay, maybe I'm getting my games mixed up here. So that's the, something to maybe consider exploring. Uh, now look, everybody's going to take away. Dave wants to run, run toss and, and crack toss, you know, 10 times. No, I, I think five times, you know, like they ran it against the Ravens. I, I think five is enough. It might be one too many, yeah. uh, uh, within that. Uh, but they did run it five times for 22 yards. It was their most successful run. You know, now any of those blocked well, or was it just guys kind of getting yards? I don't remember the tosses in particular. A couple of them looked like they were blocked pretty well, Alex. Okay. Now, look, okay. you go back to the, I think going into this game, they had run two other. I th one was against Cleveland and uh, was one against the Raiders, and those didn't go well at all uh, mm -hmm. there. But uh, you didn't have Deontay for either one of those, uh, if, if, right? And you know, I think Deontay can give you the most effort. You know, if you run to it, if you run toss to his side. And once again, look, I, I'm just saying, don't don't cons don't don't consistently beat your beat your head up inside it with, with this inside zone. Which there's nothing other than switching out your center, which I, I believe that's a conversation that you could have. But I, I I'm not convinced they're going to do it. 
Sure. I mean, you you can make the argument. Uh, you can make a strong argument, and it's been it's it's out there. We're we're not reinventing the wheel here. Uh, that that let's get James Daniels in there at center. Uh, keep Herbig at, at guard. Put Cole on the bench and see how that goes. But I mean, you haven't had Daniels play center in how many seasons now, and and how much better uh, would it be to add that add that to his? Why didn't they play him at center some during the damn preseason? You know. Uh, well, I understand they wanted to get continuity at guard and sure. continuity for how the O line was going to look and all that. So I don't begrudge them for that. And maybe you take a hard look at Herbig at center, you know, mm-hmm. to, to see if he can how how he can hold up there. Uh, look, they they are not getting off those blocks in the interior line into the second level enough, and they're falling off the first level blocks. Mm-hmm routinely and i just want to mention the toss here briefly they are kind of incorporating they're trying to be the 49ers they're running that zorro toss where hayward is in motion at the snap of the football it's called the zorro toss in the shanahan mcdaniel playbook which has had some success whenever it's communicated properly and blocked up well so i'm with you there but i was going to bring but up i the think they've only run toss like i said like seven times in total so really the only success that they have was the success that they had against the ravens is it enough to build off of Sure. Yeah, it's been a newer uh, add-on to the playbook, and so I've seen it. I saw it. They ran Zorro toss like probably two, three times against Baltimore, I think. So we'll see if that kind of stuff continues. But but you can't I run would, it twelve times a game either. No, no. But I mean, they ran it, you know, three or so times. You know, when they were some miscommunication issues they've had with with Hayward, but when it's blocked well, you know, it can work. Um, so I, I'm, it's something to at least consider sprinkling in going forward. Is my okay. point. Um, but I was going to bring up Mason Cole, and we talked about him last night, and my terrible take is on Cole today. This guy's been really bad, and I can't explain it. I, I thought last year he was steady. He was solid. It Was I just fooled where because it wasn't Kendrick Green and it was just competent center play that I thought it was the, the Ritz cracker instead of the, the old Eddie Murphy joke of, of I, you're so I, starved? I, I, I viewed his season last year as as – as serviceable and i guess i built into that on top of it that he seemed to be playing on one leg for most of the season uh there it would it it and i think with what we saw with kendrick green and getting used to that to almost a full season there it did feel like a big upgrade it was an upgrade right i mean he but he was playing decent football last year i thought so and he was hurt. We agree. He was playing through a leg injury the entire. So why is it so bad this year? It's just fallen off. It really has. It has. Is he hurt again? Is I mean something more severe? I, I don't want to make an excuse for him. He's not playing well, but he has just been. I mean, he, he's, he got beaten pass pro twice by Michael Pierce, who's their big nose tackle, 350 pounds, and the dude's cooking him like it's Aaron Donald, who he's going to see in week number seven. He's going to see oh, literal Aaron Donald. Yeah. Uh, so, I think I think this is a case of of seeing what he is, and that's a a a a a journeyman backup center at this point in his career. Which leads me to the question: Now, I think he's going to remain the center the rest of the season. I, I know we too. could talk about you know moving Daniels or Herbeg. I don't I don't think those things are actually going to happen. There, there is some intangible aspect. I think Cole's a smart guy. He makes line calls. Pickett trusts him. They're not going to change things dramatically. I believe Cole will be the center, but he's got a roster bonus due in March. You were telling me and. Right. I think it's hard to justify picking it up. It's not a bunch of money on the bonus. I think it's a one and a half million, but it, it's it's hard to justify that. It it, it is. 
and you know people have asked that I haven't looked at the centers around the league, but it's hard to imagine that you're going to get much quality at a bargain bin price via the trademark right uh, uh, trade deadline mark. Yeah, I, I doubt that's going to be on the table, especially when you have other options that can play center on your roster. Yeah, they would go to some trying to trade for somebody and learn your offense and get continuity and comfort with Pickett. You know, in, in less than a week's time is is impossible. Okay, so it goes. So let's assume that that he's going to remain the center. How does the running game get better? And really, I mean, he's been beat in pass pro too. So it's it's not mm-hmm. just that. You know, there there's there's a lot of interior pressure coming with his name on it. To me, I'm scrapping the zone runs. I'm running. And again, we can debate differences between zone and duo. I think there are some. I'm getting downhill. I'm going to be less of that zone track. I'm going to be more the the man blocking duo personality. I'm going to run between the tackles and get what I get. And I think they should run to to, to the edge. I, they they've had more success getting to the edge on some of these. Uh, and once again, you can't do that twenty times a game. But there's got to be a more. I I think an, another jet sweep or two a game. You know, maybe with, you know, with, with Calvin Austin and try to get, because they've only done it with him once, right? Mm-hmm. In, in week one. And that didn't go obviously well, but I, you know, I, I think you try to do something with his speed, uh, maybe a, an extra time or two a game with that or an end around or something along those lines, you know? Sure. I'm, I'm not saying to solely run just duo between the tackles, but like, our base run game is going to be revolved around that. And then you can mix in the toss game, the Zora toss game, the end of rounds. And, and should there be more RPOs? I feel like there have not been I've, many I, RPOs. I've, you know, I I've, I, I always think when offenses struggle, that that's, that's something that they should go. But I said that in Ben's final year as well, mm-hmm. too. Uh, to get back on track, maybe, maybe you need to go basic. And it's just basic stuff, right? But, but at least it, it, it's an option. Sure. And, and A, I, I don't think there have been many RPOs run in Pittsburgh. And B, not many passes on those RPOs. I right. know they're reads based on box count and you know coverage and all that. But th- there's been, I think, some moments where Pickett probably should have thrown the ball on some of these RPOs, these kind of stacks of Pittsburgh runs with Calvin Austin kind of being the the, the the screen guy as the pass option that we probably shouldn't have run the ball and probably should have passed it to uh, to Calvin. Right. And, so, and look, you know, you want to talk into and other things that that uh, uh, we we said after the first couple of weeks we'd look at uh, in a couple of more weeks when Kenny's under center, <laughs> they're running a ball. <laughs> should we know updated numbers on on their run rates under center? I know they were at like ninety percent, but that was after I think first two weeks, and we agreed that was a small sample size. And with the way week one went, you know, passing out a shotgun, it was hard to really make meaningful conclusions on that. Well, look, uh, let's, let's go to the Ravens game. 23, uh, 23 runs under center. Uh, five were kneeled down. So that's what, 18 runs from under center. How many plays under center? How many passes under center? Uh, dropbacks under center. Zero. <laughs> okay. Really? Really. They didn't run play action off of that once? Not not according to our charting and all. I, I believe it. I'm just trying to wrap my head around it. Okay, well then, yeah, you can criticize that. Talk about a tell. Out of shotgun, seven runs in shotgun. One was a scramble. So six runs uh, out of shotgun. 
25 dropbacks in shotgun. Okay. Now, granted, some of that last drive, of course, you're in right. shotgun, you're throwing. That probably seems a bit more balanced, but 18 runs under center and zero passes. Right. Okay. Well, that now there's enough here, and that was obviously a close game where it's not you know, dictated by game circumstance where that's not acceptable. Right. Now, let me see if I can pull up the uh, the full numbers here uh, for, for the season. Yeah, I'd love to. They, they It's probably going to be in that 90% run range. And I know we don't have at the moment direct comparisons to the rest of the NFL, but based on some of the past numbers we've seen in other seasons and what I believe Warren Sharp released after the first two, three weeks, most teams are not at that kind of really high run rate under center. Uh, let's see. Shotgun. No. Uh, and we want to find out. Rushing. How many? Yeah. Well, a, how many total plays under center and then break that down into passes versus runs to get a All percentage right. of runs under center. All right. No shotgun runs 61. Okay. So 61 runs under center. All right. Passing under center. Probably don't have to take your <laughs> shoes off for this one. I'm going to guess. Leave your shoes on. Well, let me guess. I'm say seven. I'm going to just say seven. Well, imagine me having a couple more toes than I already have. <laughs> okay. uh, 13 dropbacks. Okay. So 13 under center passes. So that is a run percentage. That's what 74 total. It's a run percentage of 82.4% when under center. Uh, let's see how many of those, uh, two of those came early against the, uh, 49ers there, but, uh, yeah, I mean, long, long story short, uh, they under center, they're probably running. Right. So that, that seems to be one of those self scout things that need needs to be, really should it be addressed should have, during each week. It should have already been addressed sure. once the, once the, uh, uh, Warren Sharp, uh, 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 identified it was pawned off as well, and we pawned it. We didn't pawn it off. We said, you know, they were they were down. Didn't that come out after the first forty nine? Yeah, it was like that was like the second or third. It was like after two weeks, I think. And we, okay. we agreed that was probably not enough sample size to work with. Right. I mean, now you have enough sample size, yes. though, right? Yes. Now I think it's a more than valid critique. Can Kenny just? Do they just not? Can, can Kenny just not? Because we also pulled up the stats at Pitt and all too, right? Especially his senior year, where he didn't do a lot of passing uh, uh, from 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 under center. Is that something that still needs to be? They they don't trust it. He can't do it. I don't know. I mean, if you can't you can't trust him in this play action game at this point, that that seems to be a really big if, cause if, for if, concern. Here, okay, let let let's address it this way. If, if you have any concern about him dropping back and passing from under center, then just keep him out. Then just do everything from shotgun or pistol. You know me, I love pistol. They should use more pistol. I've been saying that forever. Should they use more pistol? I don't know. What is the downside to pistol? Maybe I'm just too nerdy and not realizing from a football standpoint the downsides, but you get better play action game. You get down the run game. You don't tip off your run directions as as much. You can run backside if you wanted to. It's not left, right, sidecar. Right. What is the downside? Yeah, I mean, maybe the drops are a bit funkier and the drop back pass game might be harder to do. Maybe there's an element of that. 
but I'm like already leaving the pocket too too often anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like it. I think it should be utilized by. I mean, it's not something obviously the NFL uses much in general. That's a bit more of a college, high school type thing. I think it's good to at least sprinkle in for your run game. I mean, so if you're going to put them up under center, you got to start dropping them back from under center and and hopefully some play action within that. Because you want to talk about you want to talk about using your using play action on a team that's not running the ball and probably being effective for the next couple of weeks. I don't see why that wouldn't. If I'm a if a, if I'm an inside if I'm a, a second level defender, uh, I'm I, I'm I'm thinking run the, the moment uh, he comes out from under center uh, with that football. Sure, and it's well documented the lack of play action. And for many years, we thought it was a Ben thing where he didn't like it and didn't have the mobility. But it's really the numbers have not changed dramatically with Trubisky and Kenny Pickett. And st- until they start doing something with this running game or incorporating play action off of a non-existent running game and eliminating the, these tails, it's hard to imagine this offense getting getting any better with what they're doing right now. That's fair. The reason why they had success the back half of last year, or at least more success, was because the run game was better. It was better from a yards per carry standpoint, from a run success standpoint. They had a great third down usage because they were getting in. I mean, Pittsburgh is getting in third and short this year. They're not in third and long, but they just... I feel like, and I've said this before, and people have made the point as well, I feel like Pittsburgh plays for third and four. They don't play for the first right. down on second and seven. They're just, let, let's get into third manageable. It's their whole philosophy. And in today's NFL, that seems like an antiquated thought. And I'll go back to other things. And once again, this is, unfortunately is turning into bash the offense, but I don't know if there's a way around it right now, especially during the bye week. But uh, they, they, they've got to start incorporating more of this quick quick passing game with these slants mm-hmm. or, 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 or outs or, 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 or whatever. Uh, uh, they've got to, and, and that can be accomplished with an RPO. Right. There's got to be an elongated run game, which becomes your quick game, your three-step game, your screen game, your RPO game. That that needs to be used more as a partial run game substitute when you're struggling to run the ball the way that they are. How many RPOs have they run? You know, I was looking that up the other day, and I, th- I think it's like 19. I, I thought Pickett has, has thrown more RPOs than I thought. It doesn't feel like there's that many, and I don't know. I have not charted it myself. I was looking at Pro Football Reference or Stathead. For some of those numbers, because I was going to do an article on it, but the numbers really weren't quite there. But I still feel like, and I'm kind of just going more off my head than, than the numbers, but I feel like there's been some missed chances for Pickett to run or to throw on some of the RPOs they have called this year. All right, I'm gonna, I am I need to try to pull those numbers if I can, but it doesn't feel like there's been many of them for I sure. I think it's 19, because um, I was looking it up the other day. It, you can find it. It's on Stathead. They, they have that as a, one of the new features. Okay. So maybe for Monday's show, we'll, we'll talk about that some more. Um, where to from here, Dave? I don't know. We kind of went down down the rabbit the, hole. The, the other thing, you know, the, with, with, with all the talk about Kenny and, and, and leaving the pocket, look, I, you know, I was watching that game against uh, with, with, with the Chiefs and all. And look, we, we all know part of Patrick Mahomes' game is, is, is extending the play. And Patrick Mahomes does leave some clean pockets. He does. But he's also Patrick Mahomes. Right. He has the right to do that because he's Patrick Mahomes and he he makes it work. Right. So it'd be it'd be it'd be one thing if uh, if he was making all these plays. He's not when there's for for the amount of times that he's leaving the pocket. It'd be one thing if he's making more extended plays. 
I'm yeah. showing I'm showing 34 attempts on RPOs for the Steelers so far. And it, now, uh, is that I have, I have 21. I just pulled it. Up. I got 21 RPOs this year, according to PFR Stathead. All right. Uh, Sports uh, Info Solutions has the number at, what did I say, 34 attempts in RPOs? 34. You're not, you're not saying passes. You're saying the number of total RPOs that could be runs. RPO calls is what you're saying. Right. Okay. How many passes of the, the 34? If that number is available. Okay, wait. This says 34... These are all runs, it looks like. Okay. Uh, well, I, we're going to have different, I mean, at least different publications are going to have different numbers because Stat has given me 21 total RPOs with 11 passes in 10 runs. Okay. They have, as far as passes goes, they have three, three dropbacks in RPOs under passing. That seems more realistic to me. I don't remember many times this year where Pickett has thrown the ball on an RPO. Okay. But we're going to have to probably look at those numbers some more. So, yeah, because they have 30-something as far as runs off of RPOs. And So they have 34 runs and three passes on RPO plays? Is that the numbers that SIS is telling you? It looks like. Let me sort it one last time here. 34, that, 34 attempts, rushes. And three passes. And three passes. To me, that's, now again, numbers differ, and PFR is giving a totally different number here, but SIS, to me, that feels more correct, because I can't remember any times they've thrown the ball on RPOs this year. Okay. And so I think that's one thing to look at there in the buy is, and again, obviously RPOs is all dictated by look and box count and how the coverage is playing and all that kind of stuff, but I feel and, like and some of these chances. RPOs are kind of subjective, right? A yeah, as you bit. can tell, you know, Stathead and SAS are giving you pretty considerably different numbers. So, although I think at this point, if you can't identify an RPO, like it's pretty easy to do. Right. I mean, you usually have a script, you know, a wide receiver screen or some sort of screen built into that something that's quick. You know. Yeah. Just watch. Just watch the routes and watch the the line. If they're run blocking and the receivers are in a, a route, then it's an RPO. But anyway, we'll right. look at that Monday. All right. Uh, but but once again, you know, if he's going to extend a play, he's got to start making more plays on extended plays. Yeah, I mean that. I'm with you 100. I I thought I thought Pickett's pocket presence was better. I thought Baltimore. it was better. Yeah, I I I definitely thought it was better. So hopefully that continues. I mean, some people have thought, and it's not a crazy thought. Does the knee injury almost keep him in the pocket a little bit more from a play call and from a mobility standpoint? Is that almost in some way a a weird blessing? Maybe, but I mean, he's going to be over that. He, he should be <laughs> o- completely over it after the sure. bye, I would think, or, or yeah. in a lot better shape. Anyway, so that was good. I, I thought Pickett late in that game made some big time throws. I mentioned that that third down to Robinson, which I think even Mike Sullivan mentioned when speaking to reporters about how big of a play that was that led to the George Pickens touchdown. And look, he once again, you know, I uh, uh, he made some great throws in that game. Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, but the their back shoulder, the back, you know, back shoulder, and you know, the 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 one that you've highlighted several times to, uh, and he, and even uh, was it uh, Sullivan that highlighted that uh, that that play to Robinson on what was it third mm-hmm. down? Yeah, before on that game winning drive, the third and 
nine completion for 10 to Allen Robinson was a great play by Pickett. I think for any other passing game to get better though, they they've got to get, they've, they've got to get this running game squared away. And that's something we said going mm-hmm. into the, into the season that the, you know, that's why we were looking forward to bully ball, yada, yada, but none of that is manifested. But anyway. No, no, it hasn't. Uh, sticking with the, the coaches, we, the bye week does let us hear from the positional coaches, which you only get to hear from them during the bye. Is there anything, any of them offensively, defensively said that caught your attention? Um, whether that's Frisman Jackson, Pat Meyer, Carl Dunbar, Grady Brown, et cetera. Not as a whole, just, uh, uh, I guess the whole Joey, Joey Porter thing. Yeah. I mean, we've, you know, talked about that a lot and Grady seemed to be more open to it than what Terrell Austin was. Um, again, I'm just going to wait until after the buy and see how things look in week seven. And then I can judge how smartly or not they're using Joey Porter. Jr. I mean, those position coaches don't give a lot away in general anyway. I mean, what, what was the most eye raising thing? I mean, you guys wrote about it. Yeah, they're. I mean, obviously, none of them said anything, you know, earth shattering overall. I thought Sullivan had a couple interesting comments that I read about one today on Pickett that they're trying to get him to be maybe a little less greedy. Did you do you think that's an accurate depiction of Pickett's play? Did, it, it didn't feel greedy to me, but maybe that's some of those forced throws we saw, especially earlier in the season. Should he check down more quicker? That's a fair point. I mean, we talked about Najee Harris having how many catches does Najee have this year? Like three, like four passes. Um, and I know he's not the third down guy, so he's not going to have as many as you know, he typically would. But he has five receptions this year, which feels low overall. Is he waiting too long in hope that some of these plays are going to develop and 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 then forcing it at times? It hasn't felt like there's been a ton of forced balls, but maybe I'm maybe I'm getting clouded here. I think especially the first couple of games, I think it's gotten better. I think he's, I would have liked him to be more aggressive in a couple of these instances and pull the trigger on a couple of them more than yeah, anything. The, the Houston game, you talk about some of those throws to Pickens that should have been made. I think about, remember that one against, was it Cleveland, like out of the half and he's scrambling to his right and just throws it and it should have been picked and just on that sideline right. throw to Najee. Like that's probably the stuff where it's like, just, just punt that play, throw it out of bounds and live the fight another day. That, that's probably what Sullivan is getting at. Okay. All right. But interesting comment there from the other other guys. I mean, you know, Pat Meyer recognizing the run game has to be better. That's obvious. Um, what is Pat Meyer's status after this year? You know, I think he needs to be gone him? too. Yeah, I think he needs to be gone too. It's not working. Yeah, I mean, do you bring in? I don't know how you. I mean, obviously you can replace him, but it's so hard to judge Pickett at this point right now through these amount of games, other than wins and losses, <laughs> uh, for for the sheer fact that. You know, they can't get anything going in this running game. And even when in the back half of last season, it wasn't great. I mean, it was improved, but it wasn't great. And it's so hard outside of his pocket presence. Uh, it's so hard to judge him. I get that. The question is, though, when do you judge the guy? When do you judge and evaluate a quarterback of is he the future or not? Because you, you called it earlier, Dave, they're going to change coordinators next year. And are we going to sit there after 2024 and say, well, it was a first year OC and they got to get on the same page and there are other changes and yada, yada. Uh, are we not, are we not able to judge this guy until, you know, four years into his career? Right. You shouldn't have to do that. Right. You should, not in this you, should, day you, should you should be able to, my feeling has always been that 20 game mark. Heck, you know, 
these these next three games are are important for this team and for him for several reasons. Well, you always talk about six games into the sophomore year. After the Rams game, that's yeah. your sixth game. That that's the sixth game of the sophomore season. Well, I, you know, I always like to say twenty games as well. So okay. I mean, when's well, he's when's, almost he's almost there, right? He's, right. So it's about three more games, right? Yeah, he's got what? How many? How many games? If you count the Jets game, he's sitting at eighteen games right now. So after week eight, week nine, so twenty starts will be three games from now. I'm hoping to see uh, a nice jump in his overall game in these next three games. Yeah, I think I think he's got to show it because it's, it's you're right. Not, it's not where I thought it would be at this point of the season right now. Agreed. I think he's below all expectations. Uh, and, and you're right, the run game or the lack thereof has been a big issue, and that's something that has to be factored into the pick and consideration. But they're and, not going to run the ball. And schematics and all like that, too. I mean, uh, uh, he he is hand. I, I the, the thing that bothers me most is his pocket presence and him not pulling the trigger on some of these that seem to be there. That That's my biggest takeaway from him at this point. Right. And that has nothing to do with a lack of a run game or even necessarily as much schematical type stuff. I mean, he, he has been hit. A lot, but I it still to me does not excuse the pocket presence issues because he's compounding the problem whenever he bails early. Right. But he is on pace. I, I checked this last night. Last night I'm going to write about it for the weekend. He's on pace to be sacked 47 times this season, Dave. That's going to be tied for the third most in a single season by a Steelers quarterback. We're getting into the Ben era, like peak backyard Ben era of sack numbers without the great backyard Ben. Right, plays. right, right. And once again, you know, I have no issue with a quarterback leaving the pocket, but you, you you better have some splash come out of that, you know? Right. And we're not getting enough of that. We're not seeing enough of that. All right. Uh, all right. After in 40 minutes of bashing the offense, something that we didn't really want to do, where to from now? I mean, at least it wasn't specifically Canada bashing. It's I think it's a... a all-encompassing bashing. Right. Uh, I guess defensively, any thoughts? I mean, we talked about Porter a million times. We don't have to talk about it probably anymore. Is there anything defensively you want to see changed or done differently out of the bye? Uh, I'd like to see him run even more man, I think. Do they have the guys to do it? Yeah, I question that's the question. Especially that if Joey on, Porter's not on the field. Right. Porter, you know, that's his calling card. Peterson and Wallace has been less successful, let's say. Uh, tackling is you know, that's been bad. That, that's been bad. That needs to be improved. Uh, I thought the 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 inside off the ball linebacker play was probably the best it's been in this game against the Ravens. I agree. I think overall, I, I've been happy with that group. I knew they were not going to be amazing or all stars, and they're going to you know have their their warts. But I think they they played the run hard. They have an edge. They're physical. Um, they're not miscommunicating. It doesn't seem like, and they're making some splash plays. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the overall production. My overall take on the defense to this point would be the tackling, uh, uh, overall. And as we talked on the, on the previous show, I, the coverage needs to do more of their part in the coverage and rush going hand in hand. There's nothing wrong with the, with the pass rush on this team. I don't think, mm -hmm. uh, uh, the coverage needs to start holding up their end of it when the pass rush is not getting there. And especially I, if there's if there's quick if there's quick game involved. Or 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 especially if you know it, it starts at games when they're not handling the run very well. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I, I was running the numbers last night. Let me pull them up here. And again, this is going to be some of the weekend content to get us all through the buy, but I'll I'll mention this now if I can find my charting. Uh, we talked about how, how much Mink has been used in the box this year, and he has, has been quite a bit. The numbers are, uh, what do I have here in the numbers of Mink if it's Patrick? Um, oh, I just lost where the numbers went on, on Minka, but his box rate has been, I think it's 16% this year, and last year he was at 3% box rate. And so that's one very notable difference. Yeah, and he has yet to record an interception yet, you know? Yeah, which they can be fluky, and teams right. obviously know where Minka's at, but. You know, he's had longer droughts than this. I think in 2021 or 2022, he had a, a longer drought. Uh, not 2022, because that was the big six to start the year, but I think 2021. But um, they have used Minka differently this year. And look, if your offense starts improving, can possess the ball more, your defense, I'm, I'm less concerned. Uh, I have concerns about the defense, but they're they're <laughs> uh, they're they're far away from the concerns about, about the offense there. Sure, but I mean, has this... Would you call this a good Steelers defense as of right now? Or I'd the call first? it average. I'd call it average right now. The only thing propping them up is the pass rush and making the key splash plays at key moments of games. Yeah, I, I would say it's an inconsistent defense, but one that makes splash plays. And that's how they're winning right now is through those splash plays in terms of takeaways and sacks. Right. All right. Any other any other thoughts here, Dave? Um, Will this? Nah, I don't want to back to the offense. I was saying, will this team get a rushing touchdown ever? Because they have zero right now. What's, what's the record? I, I look. What's the record for a start of the season for not getting a rushing touchdown for a team? I think it goes beyond like seven or eight games. I think I looked. I believe 1995. The Jets went their first eight or nine games without a touchdown. That's the rushing touchdown. That's the post merger record. And they got to get De- they got to get Deontay Johnson in the end zone. It'd be nice to have Pat Farmuth back after the bye. It sounds like there's there's a possibility of that happening. Right. It, it, the the tight end production. I know Farmuth missed that game, but they, the tight ends have not been involved this year. I mean, at all. Connor had a couple of nice. I mean, early catches and all that. I think moved the chains, but I I don't think you can rely on that happening with the personnel. Sure, but I mean, they. I think the tight ends have how many receptions this year total? like 19 or 14, they're averaging 2.8 receptions per game last year. That was over five. So, I mean, just, just way down on the tight end production. And you, you would think it would have gone up with Deontay being out and relying on some other options like fire moves more often, but that's not been the case. Right. Right. So they got to get Deontay involved, uh, back involved in the offense, uh, coming out of by hopefully fire moves healthy, get him more involved in the offense. And, uh, you know, you got to get those guys running in space more. Yeah. So, We'll see what the approach is out of the buy. The results have to be better, and that's all that really matters. Um, it's a results-oriented business, and they gotta they gotta put up right now. All right, all right, Dave. Anything else to talk about, or do you want to get to? Uh, actually, before we do that, well, a- anything else uh, Steelers wise that we should discuss, Dave? I think we've hit on most of it. Okay, what do we want to get to our week six picks? But before we do that, let's hear from our friends over at my bookie. Yeah, absolutely. Aaron Rodgers' season is officially over, but yours has just begun at MyBookie. NFL, college football, and a brand new cash-out system give you options to bet and win all season long. First two legs of your parlay hit, cash out early and place another bet, or just let it ride for the chance at a bigger payday. Join us at MyBookie for an entire season filled with daily odds boost, same-game parlays, and huge prize pool contest. Right now, 
MyBookie has a no-strings-attached cash bonus that lets you deposit and withdraw quick. Use our promo code TERRIBLE, promo code TERRIBLE, on your first deposit of $50 or more, and you can receive up to $200 in cash instantly credited to your MyBookie account. That's promo code TERRIBLE to claim your own cash bonus now. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie. And, of course, you can get to them by going to MyBookie.ag, Alex. And we are both 1-0 on the week with the Chiefs just covering Barely. last night. Al Michaels giving, giving all of us degenerates <laughs> a, a shout-out at the end of that game and calling. What did he say about I don't mean to talk about this much, but Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, his, uh, his good buddy, <laughs> which is very peak. I'm going to miss Al Michaels whenever he retires. Yeah, he's uh, he's so good. And boy, uh, that that game didn't go. Uh, the, you want to talk about a team letting another team hang around. The Chiefs certainly tried to do that, but they were just the Denver's got problems. They're probably going to sell off, uh, trade off a lot of those guys now, uh, especially if they lose this next week here ahead, ahead of the trade deadline here. All right. Uh, also, apologies. Last week, my bookie has changed. Uh, the format of the way their lines have listed uh, in the past, they have uh, had the uh, home team, which you normally see, see all over the place. Uh, uh, they have the home team listed at the bottom there. And last week I, 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 I wasn't paying enough of close attention and I, and I got all the away teams uh, wrong uh, when, when, when it came to all that. So my apologies, I'll try to try to do better and keep up with the changes on the site here, uh, moving forward here. Uh, we'll start with the Baltimore. I'm just going to double check and make sure they haven't flipped this, uh, back real quick here. As far as home and away teams go, uh, just double check. Uh, where am I? Wait, did they switch it back on me already? No. Well, the Ravens game is the London game. I don't even know who the designated home team is for for that. Um, okay, they the they, they have not changed it back. So uh, okay. I will read this properly this time here. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens uh, over in London playing the Tennessee Titans in this one. The Ravens in an early Sunday morning game favored by four points. I'm going to go Baltimore. They're going to bounce back. They, they know what they left on the table against Pittsburgh. So give me the Ravens. I agree. I will take the Ravens lay the four points against uh, Tennessee and London. The Indianapolis Colts on the road against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars at home laying four. And I think the Colts are going to be without uh, uh, their rookie quarterback. Minshew revenge game against Jacksonville. I mean, hey, they are lucky to have Gardner Minshew. That's for sure. I'm going to say the Colts find a way to keep it close. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, another week under his belt. Uh, I don't know if they win, but I'll, I'll take the Colts. I'll take the Jaguars late of four points at home. Uh, New Orleans Saints on the road against the Houston Texans. Uh, Saints road favorites by a point and a half. I'm going to stick with the Texans. I was really surprised they lost to Atlanta last week, but I think they're going to, they're not going to lose two in a row. Give me Houston. I'll take Houston plus that point and a half as well too. The 49ers on the road against the Cleveland Browns. And it sounds like uh, not going to have Deshaun Watson for this game. PJ Walker sounds like it's going to get the start for the Browns there. 49ers favored by 10 on the road. Yeah, I got to go 49ers here uh, pretty comfortably. Yeah, I will take the 49ers late at 10 as well, too. Seattle Seahawks on the road against the Bengals. Uh, Bengals home favorites by two and a half points. Give me the Bengals. Burrow looks healthy. Back in the form. Chase three touchdowns last week. I'll take Cincinnati. 
I'll take Cincinnati at home to cover that two and a half as well, too. Minnesota Vikings on the road against the Bears. The Vikings are favorites on the road by three points. I know you'll be watching this game very closely, Dave, uh, the barn burner that it is. I'll go Minnesota. I'll go Minnesota later three there as well, too. Washington Commanders on the road against the Falcons. Uh, Falcons laying two and a half points in this one. I'll take Atlanta. I mean, I give them credit. They know who they are. They're physical. Um, they got the Arthur Smith, Tennessee vibe going to them. Washington seems like a rudderless ship. Will Ron Vary get fired? A lot of chaos. Give me the Falcons. I'll take the Commanders in an upset here. So I want the two and a half points. Uh, Carolina on the road against the high, well, not not so high flying Dolphins last week, right? Uh, Dolphins laying 13 and a half points at home against Carolina. Do they boat race them? It's a big line, though, man, Dave, even though the Dolphins offense is obviously now with Chase Claypool. My goodness, you throw that in. Explosive. Um, I'll say Carolina finds a way to cover late. I'll take the Dolphins late at 13 and a half points. New England. Whoa. Oh, boy. What a season they're having. New England on the road against the Raiders. Raiders uh, laying three points. Oh, Belichick really. Is this it for him? I mean, I know they've called uh, his career before. Never been right, but. What is going on? Two back-to-back worst losses of his career, right? I think so. And now you got the uh, McDaniels, who once was thought to replace Belichick. Both teams really struggling. I'm going to take one last one last shot at the at the Patriots and Belichick. Give me New England. I'll take uh, the Raiders. I'll lay the three points there. Philadelphia on the road against the Jets. Uh, Philadelphia seven point road favorites. Yeah, give me the Eagles, Dave. Uh, I'll take the Eagles late a seven there. Arizona on the road against the Rams, who will be next up for the Steelers. Uh, the Rams laying seven points at home against the Cardinals. Divisional game. You know, James Connors hurt. Ah, this one's, I- I'm going to say the Cardinals find a way to cover. Uh, I'll take Rams to win, but Cardinals cover. I'll have the, I'll take the Rams late a seven points. Uh, Tampa Bay hosting the Lions. The Lions are three point road favorites. You know, Tampa Bay's been hanging in there, man. Baker's done well. That defense has been solid. Uh, I know the Lions get old Williams back. I'll go, I'll go Tampa Bay. I'll take the Lions later three points there. Uh Buffalo uh hosting the Giants. 15 points. I think they're gonna be uh Daniel Jones, I think, got a neck injury, right? Uh ruled out officially. Uh and is is, is they're gonna have Saquon for this game? I don't I don't know. I, I they just ruled out like half their team ten minutes ago. So I don't know. I, I'm taking I'm taking Buffalo. I'll take Buffalo late of fifteen as well too. Chargers hosting the Cowboys. Dallas two point road favorites. Yeah, this one's you know obviously with how ugly Dak and the Cowboys looked last week. I think they. Ah, this one's tough. I'm gonna go Dallas. I'll go Dallas. I think they win by a touchdown. I'll lay the two points there. All right. That's got us through uh, the rest of the games this week. All right, Dave. Let's get to any reader emails and close out today's show. All right. Let's look and see what we have here. Bryce uh, writes in, hard to believe this team is in first place in the AFC North, but here are some thoughts. Uh, as far as concerned by not firing Canada this bye week because of a win this past Sunday, Tomlin is co-signing that the standard, this is just another gripe, uh, about, uh, Canada. So I'm going to bypass that for time. Uh, I have a question about the nose tackles pass rushing. We know that Braden has a reputation as a run stuffer, but not giving anything in, in the pass rush, but isn't there a benefit of a big nose tackle that could very least 
push the center into the quarterback's lap on passing downs? Doesn't that account as a fact of uh, an effective pass rush uh, rep? Your thoughts? I mean, but but Braden's mo has been against the the, the run. Look, and this is regurgitating stuff we've already talked about. We were both surprised that Braden Fahoko didn't get any snaps in that game. Uh, but I, is he even going to be active this next game? Uh, that's a good question. If Leal is cleared a concussion protocol, which he almost certainly will be, he probably won't. So yeah, I mean, there's value in, in collapsing in the pocket and, and constricting kind of those a gaps, but I understand obviously in passive situations, you're not, you know, you're not having brain Fahoko out there on the field. You're going to have more athletic guys that can really truly get after the quarterback. So, um, that's not something that, that really works today. Uh, Doug Walter writes in hope all's well, knowing a lot of season is still ahead of us. The bye week has me starting to speculate on, on next year in your expert gambling opinions, who is most likely to be the OC for the Steelers in 2024, Matt Canada, Mike Sullivan, or the, the field. He says he'll only hold it, uh, uh, to us if we're wrong. Uh, as always, thank you for your dedication, unrivaled coverage of the Steelers. Uh, I'm going to have to choose C the field. Yeah, that seems pretty easy. I think you take some some good money on that. Again, who's it going to be specifically? No idea, but I'll take the field. Uh, Amani writes in, what's up, Dave and Alex? I love the show, and you are the only Steelers news I follow and read religiously. My question is, what kind of run game scheme plays more to Najee's strengths, and why not cater cater the run game to what works for your first-round running back? Uh, I'm tired of the Najee slander when Warren gets a swing pass and the ball goes out uh, in space. Thank you, guys. Keep up the excellent works. First and foremost, uh, you want to look at uh, uh, Najee and Warren in a vacuum with a running game. You look at the success rates. <laughs> There's no right side of the fence to be on uh, overall. We talked about the run game concerns early in, 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 in the show there, so don't want to re- regurgitate any of that. What? Look, I, I think Najee can run in any scheme. Uh, what what scheme best fits? Uh, I tell you, look at him on some of these tosses. You kind of get some of the old. I'm showing my age here, but you know some of those old Franco tosses. The way he runs, you know. Najee? Yeah. Uh, but they, they were blocked so much better back. Then. <laughs> Uh, uh, back there and no i'm not trying to compare Najee to franco harris uh uh, here on this uh and no i'm not advocating more 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 tosses there they just they gotta i don't know if there's one specific scheme that best fits Najee's running style i mean i think it's still more of a downhill you know between the tackles duo man blocking type of scheme i think that's best for him um, I think it's pretty good for Warren too. I think Warren's probably a little more flexible in terms of what you can run. You had the great stat, Dave. Uh, what's their yards per carry on where guards are pulled on their crunch and wham and trap blocks? Isn't it something like eight yards a carry? I mean, it's it's up there. I'd have to re-pull those. I don't know where I put them, but it's definitely uh, it's they're they're not they they've only run a total of like what did I put out there like eight or twelve total combined of crunch. Yeah, I'm reading your tweet now. The Steelers have run trap, power, and wham just eight times combined eight times. in five games for an average of six point nine yards per attempt. That, that's a go. very, it's a very nice number in so many ways, Dave. And yeah, it's only been run eight times. Right, and it's such a small sample size. Yeah. But, now I go ahead. But I, I, I would, I would 
I would try to elongate that sample size. Me too. And I understand those wham blocks are a bit more on the defensive personality. You need teams to play kind of more in that wide nine style. So it's it's an easier block on some of these uh, on the defensive ends, for example. But you can at least pull the guards more when, you know, your power much more than what this team has done. And we have said that from the start. Yeah, at least try it. Okay, if it doesn't work, fine. But nothing else is working consistently. Like, what is their refusal to do that? They have personnel that can do it. So that's the confusing part. Uh, let's see here. Would you entertain a trade of Najee to the Bills for a first rounder? Bills need a run game and Steelers may be able to leverage that. Uh, the line play and OC is uh, suppressing his production. Not that Jalen is the savior, but he might look good as a Batman with a sufficient enough Robin. Is the Bills window enough to push for a trade like this? Also, he says, I'm convinced. Gunner is a double agent for Belichick and the Patriots. He says, don't believe me. Exhibit uh, J.C. Jackson. Why not help his division rival by sending Najee to the Bills while getting a good asset in return? First and foremost, I, you know me. I'm not trading a first rounder for Najee. Yeah, no one is. Buffalo's not doing that. Um, I'm not trading Najee. And hopefully that was all tongue in cheek because if it's uh, you know serious, a tinfoil hat might be on a little too tight there. I mean, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't. For what I think you'd get, no, I'm not trading Najee right now. No. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Richard Jamison, Joe Clark wrote a good article about Steelers' run game in which uh, he quotes Pat Meyer as acknowledging that they need to be better in the run game. Do you think that Meyer has the ability to make it better? I think it's once again. I think this is. Several layers to this run game being bad. I do think Pat Meyer is involved in in being one of those layers, but uh, there's a lot of things that happen uh, outside of Meyer and his ability to make it better, as the email writes. Yeah, I mean, can he make it better? They made it better last year after the bye. Will they, are they guaranteed to replicate that? No, of course not. Will they make it better? Hopefully a little. I don't know how much better it's going to be. It probably will not be as good as it needs to be for where this team ideally wants it. Chris Lookart writes in, hey guys, uh, Chris from a little town in Michigan called Z-Land. I don't even know where Z-Land is. Uh, Do you think a team like the Jets or Chiefs could be trade partners for someone like Dan Moore Jr.? He said, I saw on the McAfee show that there are a few teams looking for O-line help. I would be shocked if the Steelers traded Dan Moore just from the sheer fact that they 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 need their own offensive line depth. Not that Dan Moore is anything special. And and on top of that, what are you going to get back for Dan Moore in return to warrant uh, suppressing your offensive line depth? Uh, I mean, do, do I think that that either of those teams you mentioned, the Jets or Chiefs, could could trade? I mean, I'm not discounting that part that they could be looking for O line help. I would just be very shocked if the Steelers traded away one of their offensive linemen. Period. No, Dan Moore, anybody. Yeah, I really expect them to not be buyers or sellers at the, at the deadline, barring some big injury that occurs. Um, I think they're going to probably just stand pat with the roster. Maybe something small, but nothing nothing big. All right. I think we got through everything we need to get through, Alex, and I think we're about hour and, what, 15 minutes in? Yeah, uh, maybe a little bit longer today, but we kind of, you know, a good, a good conversation, good reset to kind of focus less on you know being prisoners at the moment and worried about the next game and just kind of talking about where this team is at. I think it's a it's a good discussion to have. All right. If you got any uh, email questions that you want covered on the Monday show where we'll start getting into week seven, 
uh, and the Steelers facing the uh, the Rams, and we'll talk about what happened over the weekend in the NFL and whatever else is out there. So in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Steelers Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. Once again, uh, you can find the donate and the ad free uh, buttons on the site if you'd like to partake in all that as well too. So until Monday. As always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.